Hey, this is Rich. Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. I'm excited to wrap up our collection of talks on prayer, talking to Jesus. We've spent the last six weeks diving into the topic of prayer. And it may seem like a foreign concept or complicated or contrived, but don't worry. If you're listening, I have good news for you. You were created to pray. As we lean into lives of prayer, we find strength in community. Here at VU, I'm blown away by the generosity of so many faithful servant leaders who give of their time to build God's house. You can be a part. Discover your purpose at The Growth Track. Visit vuchurch.com slash growth track. Today, I'm excited to speak to you on the thought, prayers never die. I'm believing it will encourage you. Let's lean into the message together. I want to preach part six in talking to Jesus from the subject, prayers never die. Prayers never die. I think the thing that I have been challenged with the older I get and the more and more I begin to study our faith and study the history of our faith is that when I look back on the men and women who were laying down their life to build the church, oftentimes I am challenged because as I read about them or as I study about them, it appears to me that they actually believed that when they prayed, things changed. Like, like when I study biblical people in the Bible, it's like when they were praying, they actually believed that they had the ability to influence God. But it's not just the forefathers in the Bible. It's like, it's like men and women throughout history, they took prayer serious. It wasn't like a one-day thing. It was like a revelation and an everyday living thing. They actually believed that their prayers mattered. I was studying not too long ago and I came across this quote from Martin Luther. If you don't know who Martin Luther is, Martin Luther, we wouldn't be doing church like this today if it wasn't for Martin Luther. He, he was the reformer. Uh, he broke away from the Catholic church at a time in history when the Catholic church was doing all sorts of corrupt things. And he actually got a hold of a Bible and began to study it for himself and discovered, wow, we're actually saved by grace through faith that actually it's for everybody. And with it, a reformation began to take place where churches were begin to be established and amazing things happen. I'm telling you, we would not gather like this today if it wasn't for Martin Luther. And when you study Martin Luther, he's not a legalistic guy. He is a grace guy. That was his message. Yet this is what Martin Luther said about prayer. He said, I have so much business cannot get on without spending three hours in daily prayer. Here's a guy who led the Reformation and he had such pressure on him and he had such a busy life. And he doesn't say it from a place of legalism, but rather he says, I got so much going on, I can't get through it unless I spend at least three hours in prayer. I don't know, it challenges me. John Wesley, one of the greatest preachers in the last couple hundred years. I mean, uh, with his life, we have the Methodist church and with his life, revival broke out all over the place. This is what John Wesley said. I just want you to catch this. He says, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. This is what John Wesley believed about prayer, that God does nothing but an answer to prayer prayer, meaning every bit of your life, every blessing that you are going on, whether you prayed for it or not, somebody else in your journey did. He believes that God responds to prayer. He's doing nothing but an answer to prayer. Today on this last installment of this collection, I want to challenge our church to believe God for big things 
to believe God for great things, to believe God for impossible things, to ask God to do the impossible. When Jesus taught about prayer, like I actually don't believe that this is just like me up here, like having my own thoughts that our prayers can influence God. When Jesus talked about this, he actually confirms this notion. This is Luke chapter 11, uh, verse five. He teaches uh, a little story about a man who, who makes bold requests. And this is, this is what he says. This is Jesus now. Friend, uh, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Let's just set the stage. Jesus is telling a parable, telling a story. And he says, one guy goes and knocks on a guy's door in the middle of the night and he asks him for a loaf of bread. But the guy in bed says, don't bother me, I'm asleep. Now, what's really interesting about this parable is that quickly we discover that the person knocking on the door should be you and me. (laughs) And the person laying in bed is a representation of God. And he says, uh, he says uh, 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 don't, don't, don't bother me. I, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. This word impudence means an audacity or a boldness. So the man is not gonna get up simply because of friendship. The man is only going to get up, we'll see, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So it's kind of like a funny story because Jesus is like, when you pray and when you come to God, you should come with such a boldness and an audacity that you move God, not simply because he loves you, not simply because he's your friend, but because you are ridiculously audacious. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. This isn't like my teaching. This is Jesus's teaching. And this is not a teaching about willpower. We don't willpower our way with God. We faith our way with God. That we come to him and we continue to ask him. Quickly, the story shows us three things that Jesus teaches. Jesus is saying, you have to ask. I'm just telling you, the prayers that God doesn't answer are the ones you don't ask for. And some of you right now, you need God to do something in your life. You need God to do something in your family. You need God to do something in your marriage. You need God to do something in your business, but you're not even asking him. And Jesus is trying to get you like, start asking, make requests out of God. He's not bothered by your requests, but he's not just saying to ask. What is he saying? He's saying, ask with shameless audacity, shameless audacity. We got to go back to week two or week three when I talked about we are to approach God like a child because all of us who have kids, we know our kids, they ask with shameless audacity. My son, Wyatt, it's like, dude, it's 8 a.m. Ice cream, dad, ice cream, ice cream. No, it's 8 (laughs) a.m. But the other day, man, I was in a weak moment and... uh, I think Drew was still in bed. I was holding a baby in one arm and Wild just walking around demon possessed. Pray for my son, Wild. And Wyatt's like, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. I said no 28 times. 
I don't know what it is from 28 to 29, but he just kept making the request. Guess what his dad went and did? I finally went over to the refrigerator, not because I love him so much, not because I wanted to bless him so much, but because he was annoying me to the point that I opened up the freezer, don't tell his mom, at 8.30 in the morning, and homie, I gave this little boy ice cream. Oh, I'm trying to preach to somebody. You need to learn the art of bothering God. I'm just going to keep on asking. We need to have a shameless audacity. Oh, I don't deserve that. We don't deserve anything. But may we be a church that just asks big things from God. God, if you can do anything, I'm going to bring you some big requests. Come on, Somi. Come on, City. Come on, Church Online. Prayers never die. But what is he saying? He's saying, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. The friend doesn't get up because they're friends. He gets up because he's being bothered. I think Jesus is saying, don't stop asking. That's what the text is saying. It's saying, ask. Ask with shameless audacity, but then don't stop asking. Keep on asking. When I was growing up in church, we used to have this acronym. Uh, and I remember one year, it was like a big campaign in our church, and they gave everyone these little wristbands. And the wristbands, the acronym was, was PUSH, P-U-S-H. And it stood for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. It's like our forefathers, it's like they understood this concept. They understood this idea that, man, I don't know if my prayers will change God, but I certainly believe that my prayers will change me. When a woman is giving birth, she goes into labor and the doctor shows up. And what does he say? He says, breathe and push, breathe and push. And if you're in labor, you can't just be like, I'm done. I don't know. I'm not going to push. No, it's just, no, you, <laughs> maybe some of you've tried. Um, <laughs> you keep on pushing until that baby is delivered. And how many of you know that once you're holding that baby in your arms, the pain of labor pales in comparison to the beauty of holding on to that baby? Come on, where is the church of Jesus Christ that will keep on breathing and keep on pushing? I want to pray until something happens. May our church be a place that we don't stop talking to Jesus doesn't matter the season, doesn't matter the situation. May we be a house that pushes. The last six years have been incredible, but I want to push into the next six years. I want to push into the next decade. I want to push. I want to pray until something happens. Why? Because when we ask, we believe that God answers us. First John chapter five, verse 14. This is the confidence we have. Someone say confidence. We have a confidence today. We, we have clarity today. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, someone say anything. If we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. And we got to stop because he's laying something down. Go back one more. Go back if you can. If we ask anything, everyone likes the word anything, 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 anything. But then there is some context according to his there, oh man, 
Oh man, this is where people go, oh, okay, now I, I okay. Anything, city, according to his, his will. Listen to me. To pray is to change. I don't know if it'll change God. I know it will always change me. Because you cannot pray properly without transformed desires. Like, you ever heard that, like, the, you know, the phrase in the Bible, it says, like, you know, um, bad company corrupts good character. You need to know that when you are actually going to God with a healthy pursuit, uh, he's the one who's going to influence you. We think we're influencing him, but this is like, you know, remember peer pressure back in the day? Like, like believe me, you're not peer pressuring God. He's gonna, he's gonna rub off on you. Bad company corrupts good character, but God's company creates good character. That you can't help but have new desires. You can't help but get a new heart when you're spending time in God's presence, seeking him and desiring him. And so the scripture doesn't say anything you pray for, you're going to get. The scripture says when you pray according to his will, according to God's plan, that's when things start to show up. One of the greatest mistakes we will ever make is when we start praying to God about things we know go against his will. If I have more time today, this is not my message, but I'm telling you what, this is a grave mistake. You know what you're praying about is wrong. You know this doesn't line up with God's word. No, 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 we, we, to pray is to change. To pray the right way involves transformed desires. He hears us, go to this next slide. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. See, I want to encourage us to pray big prayers because God will always answer your prayer. He'll always answer your prayer. A lot of times God says yes. I know maybe like you don't believe that, but if you really just take an account of your life, you would recognize that you've had far more yeses from God than no's. And this is just part of growing in faith is that you would take time every day to recognize the many yeses God gave you. In fact, a lot of the yeses God gave you, you stopped praying about a long time ago. Like most of us didn't wake up there and like, Lord, please let the sun rise. Like we, we don't pray that anymore because God is just so good that he has this thing called common grace that he's taking care of us right now. But please understand, you wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't be here right now if God didn't want you here. I know there's a lot of things that you're focused on and that you want, and our mind naturally goes to all the no's we get from God, and so we're focused on all the things that we don't have yet. We're focused on all the space and all the gaps, and God, I want to be there, and I want to get over there, but some of us in this place today, we just need to stop on this six-year anniversary and go, wow, he has said a whole lot of yeses. Come on, somebody. Can we just praise him for some of the common stuff that we take for granted. Come on, I got air in my lungs. He put that air in my lungs. Far be it from me that I'm not gonna give you your breath back. I'm gonna give you a shout of praise today. You got a roof over your head. You got clothes on your back. You got shoes on your feet. Somebody take five seconds and thank God you had gas to drive to church today. Oh, he's been saying yes for a long time. Hallelujah. I don't want to take for granted the many times God has said yes, because if I'm really being honest, he said way more yeses 
that he's ever said no. God always answers us when we pray according to his will. We just don't always like the answer. Because God doesn't always say yes. Sometimes he says no. Everyone say no. Ooh. Everyone say yes. Everyone say no. Oh. We don't like no. We like yes. There's people today that are, that are out of church. They're, they're out of relation with God because God simply said no. But you must understand that a good father has a plan and a purpose. He doesn't say yes to everything. He says no at times. I remember when I was in high school, I'll spare you the details, but I had a friend girl. She was perfect. I said, God, this is the one. If you would just answer one request, give me this girl to be my wife. She broke up with me and, um, you know, just broke my heart. Some years later, I found another girl named Don Shree. We got married. It's awesome. And um, <laughs> one day we were <clears throat> back at my old high school for function. And there, a slightly familiar face emerged from the crowd and said, Rich, I'm so-and-so. And I just said, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to preach to someone today. Anybody in this room can actually take a moment and say, thank you, God, you didn't answer all my prayer requests. Come on. God, thank you, you didn't promote me. Had you promoted me, I would have never really found my real calling. God, thank you that that school rejected me. My goodness gracious, it led me to the right school. Thank God she broke up with you, bro. Thank God she dumped you. I know it was sad in the moment, but had she not broken up with you, you would have never walked into what God has for you today. Oh, maturity in the Lord is when you start thanking God for the nose, when you start thanking God for the stop signs, when you start thanking God for the detours. Thank God you got a DUI. Had you not gotten a DUI, you would have found yourself some months later having a case for manslaughter. But there was a good and gracious God who said, I'm going to stop you in your tracks. I'm going to let you face some suffering, let you face some pain. But you got no idea that the rejection was actually God's direction for your life. Take 10 seconds right now. Give God some praise. Thank you for not answering all my prayer requests. Thank you for saying no. Thank you for not allowing it to happen. Thank you for allowing me to be disappointed. Thank you, God, that you let me walk through the valley. Thank you, God, that you didn't give me everything I asked for. He always answers. He just doesn't always answer in the way that you like. What I want to encourage your spirit today, please write this down. No doesn't always mean never. 
doesn't always mean never because God, he'll say yes, he'll say no. But a lot of my life has been marked with this answer. Not right now. Not, not right now. Not right now. Some of you are in a crisis of faith because there's something that you've been longing for. There's been a promise that God has given you, but you haven't seen it come to pass. And so you're tempted to stop asking. You're certainly tempted to stop coming to God with boldness and impudence. And you're certainly tempted to quit talking about it. And I wish I could open up your eyes today. Don't stop praying. Prayers never die. Prayers never die. Sometimes God is just saying, not right now. Why? Because the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. It's to get God's will done on earth. And on this six-year anniversary, I'm just, as we close out this collection, I'm talking to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I have been impacted. I have been challenged. God's been speaking to me. God's been moving in my life. But up until this point, we've talked a whole lot about just being still in God's presence and building a relationship with God. But this is the day that we speak out faith. We inhale grace. We exhale faith. We come to God with big requests, with bold prayers. We believe God for impossible things. But we understand that he will answer us. Often he says yes. Sometimes he says no. But many times he just says not right now. No doesn't always mean never. So why do I keep praying in the not right now? And this is not a pretty message. There's just three simple thoughts. I, could, I, I literally wrote down like seven, but I'm just, I'm just going to give you three because there, there's, there's so much to that answer, but I, I think these three handles will help you in this season. I'm here to declare today that our best days are in front of us, not because I'm so gifted and so talented, because I believe God is a good God. And I don't believe he's brought us this far to simply bring us this far. All we need to do is be a church that keeps believing, that keeps coming to him, that keeps knocking on the door. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Ice cream, ice cream. It's 8 a.m., Rich. I know, but ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. You told me I could ask. You told me to ask with audacity, and you told me not to stop asking. So ice cream, ice cream. Buildings, buildings, God. Buildings, leaders, God. Leaders, leaders, God. Leaders, God. We need leaders, God. Salvation, salvation, God. Revival, 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 revival. Wake up Miami. Turn Miami upside down. I could just see God like, you know what? That dude, Rich Wilkerson Jr., my goodness gracious. What am I gonna, this guy will not shut up down there. All right, let's just see. You know what? Let's just, let's just turn this city upside down. Not because we're talented, not because we're gifted, but maybe just because we're audacious enough to believe that our prayers matter. Anybody out there believe your prayers matter today? So Rich, why, why should I keep praying when God is saying not right now? Because number one, it's all about preparation. Many times, God is preparing you for the promise. Preparing you for the promise. And you have to, have, have to ask yourself a, a question that's not a fun question, but here we go. We're telling the truth today. We're making the devil pay today. Church online, we're making the devil pay today. Put this in the comments. Here's the question. Are you complaining or are you preparing? That's how you know. 
Complaining is talking about that which does not exist or the problem that you're facing without any desire or any plan to solve it. In church life, this happens all the time. We get so focused on what's missing in our church. We get so focused on what's not happening in our church. But I'll tell you what, those that see God do something great in their lifetime don't spend time complaining about the problem. Instead, they get prepared and recognize God has placed me in this moment to recognize the gaps, to see that there is need. And that's why I'm a leader. I'm gonna help fill the need. Are you complaining or are you preparing? One of the most beautiful moments in the Bible is when King David is getting ready to die. We see his prayer recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Watch this. David is about to die. This is what he prays. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 16. Oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and it is all your own. What's happening here in David's life is that David always had a dream to build the temple. David always had a dream to build God's house. David was the warrior poet. David went and conquered. David did many epic things for God, but he never got to build or never got to finish building the temple. So here he is at the end of his life. And what he's saying is, is God, everything that we have, you gave it to us, but we've used all of it because we're prepared to build your house. He's talking about preparation in his last prayer. He's like, I didn't get to see this happen yet, but we have been preparing to do this. He was, it's called pre-prayer. Pre-prayer. That before it ever happens, I'm already praying it to be. I'm already speaking into the future. It's, it's praying with faith that, that I don't know if I'm going to see it happen, but I'm not going to waste the moment. I'm going to get prepared like it's going to happen. And so here's David. David's praying this big prayer. God, I want to build your temple. You've given us the resources. And so I'm going to get to work. And David is a great example for all of us because David prays big prayers. But then what does he do? He does the work. He gets in the dirt. He gets into the grid of things. He gets into the grunt work. He does something natural. We believe God for the super, but then God expects us to do the natural. We do what we can do, and we trust that God will do what we can't do. This is called supernatural. A lot of us only want super. We don't want any natural. A lot of us only want God to work. We don't want to work. But God doesn't just want to do the job for you. God is looking for friends who he can make partners to say, I want to do a super. That's me. Natural work through you. This is before he's about to die. He's, he's, he's playing, praying, God, we've been preparing. We've been getting ready. But watch this, verse 19. Give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes to do all these things and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Here's what's amazing. David dies after this prayer. David dies, but his prayers don't. David dies, but his prayers live on. Because what we discover is, is that that prayer he prayed for his son, Solomon, God answered it. Solomon is known as the wisest man to ever walk the earth because God gave him supernatural wisdom. But with that wisdom, it was Solomon who completed the build of the temple. I'm thankful for a guy like David who understood, you know what? Prayers never 
die. I might not see it in my lifetime, but I'm gonna pray some things that are so big that they could never be completed in my short time on earth. I wanna pray some prayers that could only be completed through the next generation. Come on, somebody. How many believe prayers never die? This past week, Don Shree and I were in Nashville, Tennessee. We were preaching for some friends of ours at a church called The Belonging Co. We love this church very, very much. It's led by pastors Henry and Alex Seeley. You might know their names, you might not, but these are names that have meant a whole lot to us in our journey. Don Shree and I, at 17 years of age, if you can believe this, we met in Nashville, Tennessee. And we met in Nashville, Tennessee during a worship tour that Henry and Alex Seeley were leading. Meaning, in February of 2002, it'll mark 20 years from the day that I met Don Shree. And the day that I was there and I met Don Shree, Henry and Alex Seeley were there also. And so it was a very much full circle moment being in Nashville this week because I'm looking at two people who have just served faithfully and now are leading an entire movement. I mean, a church that's impacting the globe but there, Don Shree and I are preaching under their leadership and nobody has any idea that we have a 20-year history together. While I was there, the guy who picked me up from the airport, to my surprise, he picked me up. It was a friend of mine that I went to college with. His name's Jared. And Jared picked me up. I was like, this is just a crazy, like, full-on, surreal, nostalgic trip, man. I'm here with Henry and Alex preaching 20 years later. And now, Jared, you're you're picking me up. He's like, yeah, man, I go to the belonging. He goes, it's been so amazing to watch all that God has done in your life. And you say, Rich, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you this because Jared and I go all the way back to when I was 18 years of age in Bible college. In my freshman year of Bible college, God was working on my life in such a way. And he started to stir things up inside of me. I started a Bible study on campus that 40 to 50 people would show up to every Thursday night. I would get up and I would kind of give a little word and I didn't know how to preach by any means, but then we would just pray for an hour or so. And God started doing something in our life that that summer, I said, we, we, got, we, got, to, we got to take this. We got to, we, we got to, we got to spread this. We got, we got to pray something big. It's not supposed to just stay here in the Bible study. We're supposed to take this to the globe. <laughs> and so we started a little group. I, I had to get a worship band because I'm no good without a worship band. I need keys and I need a worship team. And I was the preacher and we formed a group and, and the group was called Broken. Because unless you're broken, God's glory can't shine through. <laughs> and for an entire summer, with a little minivan and a blue trailer, we went from youth ministry to youth ministry, sleeping on people's floors at different host homes of people in the church. Before I left, Jared, he sent me this photo. This is my group, Broken. That's your boy right there. How many know you can't teach cool? You just got it. You know what I'm saying? And so... That was Micah and Joel and Jared, Nathan. Incredible summer together. Back then, I had no idea what God was preparing me for. I had no idea that when I was showing up to these little youth groups of 50 people, I knew something was stirring. I was believing God for something, but I had no idea what he was preparing me for, that one day we would be leading a community here. When I go back to these days, man, I had big dreams in my heart. I had big ambition in my heart. I saw mountaintop moments. I saw us doing incredible things for God. But how many of you know, if God would have answered that request then, I would not have been ready. As much as I loved him, I was pretty immature. 
As good as I thought I was if I was a preacher, I wasn't very good. He needed to take me through some challenges. He needed to take me through the valley. Why? Because the mountaintop is not more important than the valley. We actually have to walk into the valley. We actually have to go into this place where God prepares us. And if God said yes right now to your request, you are not ready. Well, I think I'm ready. I thought I was ready too. I thought I was ready for revival. I thought I was ready to lead thousands and thousands of people. I had no idea that I needed decades to go by, that God would prepare me every inch of the journey. So if God is saying, not right now, instead of being disappointed and running from the promise, just believe that right now in your spirit, he is preparing you for the promise. He's taking you through the valley because he's strengthening your legs. But it's not just preparation. It's the second word. It's this word patience. So why should I keep on praying while I'm hearing God say, not right now? Because God is developing patience inside of you. It's very, very important that we understand this because this is a little bit different from preparation. Patience is how the kingdom of God works. Whenever Jesus taught about his kingdom, he taught about it through the form of a seed. That a seed goes into the ground. It is buried in the soil. Darkness covers the seed. And there in isolation, there in solitude, there in the darkness, as time passes by, the seed begins to blossom and begins to flourish. And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. The question is never, will you wait? The question is, how will you wait? God wants to teach you patience because this is how his kingdom operates. It's his decision that it would operate like a seed. So any promise he has for your life, you have to get the right metaphor in your heart. Time does not disqualify the promise. Time actually validates it. It validates it. In fact, I'm really, I'm really kind of cautious about overnight success. I'm really cautious about just a flash in a pan. Because I'm telling you what, there's a difference between growing and swelling. I mean, when you break your ankle, that thing swells up. <laughs> and it gets a lot of attention, but it's not stable to walk on. I've never wanted us to build a church that would swell. I want us to build a church that's got character. I want us to build a church that's got integrity. I want us to build a church that's got a firm foundation. Patience. I believe while we're waiting, God is determining, is that person trustworthy? Can he trust you with the promise? A couple of weeks ago during this collection, I had this kind of like revelatory moment. Um, a whole lot has happened this past year. This is a great year that we give God praise and glory in our own personal lives for Don Shree and I, but also just in the life of our church. And I know there's many that watch online and that are part of our VU friends and family, that are part of our community, really all across the world now. But like so many other churches, this has been a difficult 18 months. The reason why we say it so much is because it's, it's the truth. It's been a pruning season. I firmly believe that unless you're pruned, you can't produce. And so I, I want God to prune us, but that's a scary thing. But I stand here today giving God glory that he has kept us, he has sustained us, he has strengthened us. We've seen miracle after miracle. Honestly, it's, just, it's not because of us, it's because it's of God. 
we, we purchased two, two buildings in this crazy season. I'm thankful that today we have two permanent locations. I know they're smaller venues, but hey, we own these venues. And can't nobody tell us whether or not we can gather in them and give God praise. And for that, we are so very thankful. But I just had this moment um, this past year, Don Shree and I got into a new house in the Coconut Grove area. And I just had this like, this like, sometimes God will just give you like a memory that you had forgotten about, but it'll just come back to you. I think it's because of his goodness and his grace. And I was remembering, I met Don Shree when, when I was 17 in Nashville, as I just told you. Had no idea the ride that we were about to go on. But a couple months later, um, Don Shree got to come here to Miami to, to visit me. We are teenagers and she flew in on a Wednesday. I remember she flew in on a Wednesday because she flew into the Fort Lauderdale airport and I still drive the same exact Jeep Wrangler I had when I was 17. I just like it. It's a 2001 Jeep Wrangler. Your boy's still driving it. Stewardship. Um, but I drove up to Fort Lauderdale, picked her up. I remember getting her at baggage claim. I can remember what she had on. It was just this amazing. And we drove back to my parents' house in North Miami sort of hung at the house for a moment. And then we drove to my parents' church because we had Wednesday night church. I grew up in a, in a, in a real Christian home. <laughs> Not just church on Sunday, church on Wednesday as well. So we had to go to youth group together. And so we went to church that night. And as soon as church was over, I was gonna take Don Shree on our first official date. And so I said, I know I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you to the world famous Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> that was Massive, you know, I'm, I went into debt over the meal at that time. <laughs> and I drove her, if you can believe it, down to Cocoa Walk, Coconut Grove. I know a lot of people are watching online and you don't understand the significance, or maybe you're just in the city there in Design District and you're like, I have no idea. I've only, I only hang out in the two block radius. We love you. <laughs> but I, I took our, our first date was in Coconut Grove, 20 years ago at the Cheesecake Factory. The restaurant's gone, but the love is still there. <laughs> I just had this thought the other day. Like, how many of you know, like, if I would have looked over at Don Cherie that first date at the Cheesecake Factory, hey, girl, listen to me. 20 years from now, <laughs> we fit to own a house two blocks away. We're gonna have three babies and we're gonna pastor two churches, one in an area that's not even developed, but it's a billion dollar outdoor mall. The other about 10 minutes away in South Miami in the church, it's gonna it's going be called Food Church. It's gonna be awesome. How many of you know, she might've said, I'm out. <laughs> That's not how God works. God says, trust me with your time. Because with time builds this trustworthy spirit. And how many know if God would have just showed me all of that just like that back then, it would have been nice, but man, I wouldn't have been ready, but I certainly would not appreciate it to the level I appreciate it right now. Those three babies in my house, Thank you for making me wait eight years. Thank you that you let us suffer. Thank you that you're letting me understand what it means to be a dad. The, 
the great blessing. God, you've given me wonderful exterior blessings, but Lord, nothing, nothing compares to those babies, but I would not be able to handle them without the pain and the struggle and the weight and the valley. He was developing patience in me. And I couldn't have, couldn't have ever believed all of that would take place some 20 years later. But God says, not right now. I'm saying no, but no doesn't mean never. Because God's making you prepared. He's making you patient. And lastly, I'm way over my time. I love what John Ortberg says. He says, what God does in us while we wait is just as important as what we're waiting for. Patient, preparation. But lastly, it's that we might get perspective. That we might get perspective. This is not just cliche preaching. This has to become the revelation of your life. It is not about the promise. It is about the promise giver. See, perspective is, wait a minute. I'm starting to understand who God is. God is not a 70-year-old God. God doesn't just do everything in an 85-year time span. We serve a God of generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And today, maybe you're a day one person to voo. You're watching online, or maybe you've been hanging around, and you look at the story of this place, and you just say, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. Their life is perfect. That story is perfect. That church is perfect. Everything they do, it's always successful. It's always good. I can't believe how much has transpired in six years. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, I understand you to a point, but your problem is that you don't have perspective on the story. You are only seeing the story through an Instagram lens. You are only getting a portion of the story that you heard from a bystander who told you something at a coffee shop. You are only getting a portion of the story because you haven't actually lived the story. This story didn't start six years ago. For Don Shree and I, this story started generations ago. I can't stand up here on this day and say, wow, Voo Church, look what we've done. God is good. That's true, but that's just, that's not a full perspective. Don Cherie's family and my family go back four generations of Pentecostal preachers who have laid their life down to build the church. I am my forefather's wildest dreams. There's no way my great-grandfather could have ever seen this happen right here. There's no way Don Cherie's great-grandfather could have ever believed that one day we'd stand on a stage and just right here from one location that we could minister to millions of people on the other end of a camera. No way. But it didn't stop them from continuing to pray and continuing to believe because they had perspective my body will go and I will die, but my prayers will live on in the generations to come. Prayers 
never die. And you need to get perspective today. I could take you down memory lane and I could tell you names. You've never heard their names, but they play a massive part in this story. They didn't know it was coming, but they just kept praying and kept believing and kept laying their life down. This is the story of Christ's church. We have not moved forward from successful thing after successful thing. We have only moved forward from faithful thing to faithful thing, from sacrificial thing to sacrificial thing. This is who we are. I am the answered prayers of my forefathers. I didn't just get here. Someone prayed me here. Some of you in this room, you just start thinking about your life just a little bit. I'm not saying it's all perfect today. I'm not saying you got it all right. But some of you are like, yeah, <clears throat> grandma was praying for me when I was acting crazy. My mom was interceding for me when nobody else believed in me. You didn't just get here today. Whether you know it or not, you are someone's prayer request answered. This is our history and this is our story. And I could tell you all about the VU church history and story, but it would so pale in comparison to the perspective of who our God is. Rather than let me just celebrate the faithful men and women here locally today in 2021, let me just take you back a long time ago to men and women found in Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the hall of faith, men and women who continue to pray, who continue to believe, who actually had a revelation. I might die, but my prayers never die. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. A lot of people, that's where they stop with their faith. They think faith is about being successful, about having victory. But I want to remind our church as we step into the next six years, it is not about being successful. That's not what our goal is. Our goal is to be faithful, to keep getting a bigger perspective. Because there were others, someone say others. We don't know their names. We don't know their titles. We don't know their accolades. We don't talk about them or teach about them. We don't know them. But there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Let me prophesy over our church. There's some men and women in this room today. The world is not worthy of your sacrifice. But I want to say to you, it is worth it. You keep on believing. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes and in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, 
so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They didn't get their victory in this life, but they had a bigger revelation that I'm gonna keep on praying because my prayers never die. And so I'm gonna speak into the future and believe that God is gonna do something. We celebrate six years today. We honor the past, but friends, I'm more committed to the future than I am to the past. And I want to challenge you. If God answers all your prayers, is it going to change the world? Or is it simply going to change your world? Vu, let's get perspective on who our God is. He's telling a story. Let's believe for bigger. Let's believe for more. And let's believe even if we don't see it come to pass in our lifetime. Well, we're going to see it come to pass in our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids. I wonder, is there a church here in Miami that would say, I'm ready to see God do something in our life? Come on, if you believe it, go ahead. Give God a shout of praise all over this place. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Vu and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.